Welcome to the Encounter Mercy Podcast. I'm your host, Vince Dragone, and today I have with me Father Andy Boyd, joining me from Meadville at his rectory. How's it going, Father Andy? Good, and you, Vince? Uh, doing pretty good for what I can, I guess, social distancing and uh, trying to make sure that uh, we're not spreading this horrible virus to those around us. Make sure you keep those hands clean, Vince. Uh, yeah, I was just telling you before we started here is uh, I think washing your hands becomes a moot point after a while, uh, after you get cuts because you got dry skin and it's going to enter through your skin and all these uh, these cuts that you have all over your hands uh, eventually. So I don't know what to do. I guess uh, yeah. keep washing and then uh, lots of uh, moisturizer, I suppose. Difficult place we find ourselves in, but hey, you know what? Put up the suffering and the pain, especially with those cuts in your hand, and then you put that alcohol sanitizer on it. You know that's gonna that's gonna get painful too. So put up that suffering for all those who are suffering greater in our world today. Oh, uh, yeah, true that, true that. A great Lenten practice. Practice. What do you think? Uh, most certainly, most certainly. <laughs> so, how has your week been, Father Andy? Uh, it's been pretty quiet, but yet busy all in and of itself. You know, it's 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 amazing. You know, when you don't have anything to do, how busy you truly can become. So. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, for those of you outside of our uh, where we are in, uh, in near Erie, Pennsylvania. Now you're in a different county that county than me right now, in Crawford yeah. County. But I'm in Erie County, and we just uh, the governor just put us on a complete lockdown. That if you're yeah. in a non-exempt business or you're not going to a grocery store or um, to volunteer work or getting medication or going to the hospital, you have to stay inside, I guess, yep. or else. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. Um, so we're doing our best to do our part, I suppose, um, hoping that our politicians are making the right choices, uh, although questionable at some points, uh, in my opinion. Um, we will, I guess, see what happens. But of course, as as our bishop and uh, the Pope has reminded us, we continue to um, lift all of you, our listeners, especially in our daily prayer, and know that you're being offered up in uh, my daily Mass, as well as many other priests' daily Masses, and know that uh, we're praying for all those as well that are suffering from this uh, illness, that the Lord might bring a speedy recovery and a safe passage through all of this time for all of us. Absolutely. And uh, I know that I'm back to work. We were shut down for a brief moment there, uh, but we were able to uh, get an exemption through the uh, the state uh, because we manufacture uh, life-sustaining products for hospitals and transportation. So I'm very fortunate and very thankful to be back to work. Um, I know my wife uh, was probably stressed out because I was stressed out that I was out of a job for at least a, a day and a half there. Um, and uh, I know that she's been taking her, uh, doing her part, I suppose, in trying to uh, sew some masks for people in the medical field. So she's been uh, busy doing that. So I think a great way for us to start this podcast, Vince, is why don't we start with a quick little prayer for our brothers and sisters who are both sick and those who are in the medical field uh, asking for the protection of God. I think that's a fantastic so idea. Why don't we begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we ask that you place your blessing upon all those who are sick right now, whether it be from the coronavirus or from any other illness. We ask that you to shed your special blessing upon them in this moment of their life, that you might give them the strength and the encouragement so that they can truly suffer through this in a way that is pleasing to you. We ask for your blessing upon 
and safety upon all of those who are working in our hospitals and those facilities that care for the sick, the elderly, and those who need your assistance. We ask that your blessing might be upon those workers, that they truly can give the strength and the encouragement to those they care for. And we ask all of these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. So today, Vince, you wanted to talk a little bit about a, uh, a real mystery of our church. Uh, yes, I think we need to talk about the Trinity. Sounds what, like a plan to me. Well, yeah, what do you think? Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, the Trinity is something that you could probably take a whole college course on and still not fully wrap your head around it. And as you, most of us know, that it is a mystery and that until uh, we are in heaven with God, we probably will not fully understand uh, the Trinity while we were here on earth. Um, but uh, the Trinity is is the term used to describe the central doctrine of all Christian religion, is it not, Father Andy? Yes, that's a very good way to put it. And of course, uh, you know, the, in the unity of the Godhead uh, of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, yeah. And, and, and this is all in the uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and you know it's it's one thing that uh, you know the divine persons do not share one divinity among themselves, but each of them is God whole and entire in it, and so that's I think where a lot of people get stuck is because yeah. it's you know how how do you fit three things in one, and how is that one God and not three gods? Or or how is that not one God and then two other things? And yeah. I think that's... And I think I think a lot of people start to get really confused with that um, if you try to say uh, that it's it's one but three. And you know I think the place that I've really experienced that as a as a Catholic priest and someone who um, you know preaches his faith is when not this past time when I was in the Holy Land but the time before. Um, walking up to the western wall, the western wall of the um, mount of the temple. So, you know, it's a retaining wall that was the closest thing to the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jerusalem. And walking up to that western wall, I had a Hasidic Jew um, uh, approach me and say to me, it's not uh, three gods, but one. We only have one God, not three. And I said, yes, I agree with you. And he couldn't understand why I would agree with him. But um, that, that is the mystery of our faith, that we worship a trinity of a God, and that this God appears to us in three persons, not three separate entities, but three persons that all share in the same um, reality of who God is. And I think one way to really kind of start this off is to understand the difference between a being in a person, in a nature. And yeah. and I guess we'll start off with being. A being is an existing entity. I really, if you will, that something is. Uh, a, yeah. a person is a relation or individual capable of reasoning or yeah. who something is. And nature are the traits and ends of that, of a certain being, I guess, what something is. So, you know, Christians don't believe that God is one person with infinite attributes, uh, like Jews and Muslims believe in Unitarianism, uh, but, you know, Christians are Trinitarians, like we've discussed. And I guess you could look at it as, 
you know, one being with no persons uh, is something like like a pencil. A pencil is one being. It's a thing. It's a being, but it has no persons associated with it. Uh, whereas humans and angels are one being and one person. So it's not a stretch to imagine coming from that, that God is one being with three persons. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good way to describe it. Um, You know, in a lot of our philosophy, the way we try to describe something is by saying what it isn't than what it is. Because it's hard to really say what something is, and especially when we're talking about this this dogma of the Trinity, speaking specifically about what it is, we also have to try to start where what it isn't. Mm -hmm. And right off the bat is, you know, there's this image um, that I have experienced uh, in studying Trinity that for me it really helped, and it, it shows a triangle. And each of the points of the triangle says Father, Son, and Spirit. So at one point, is the top is the Father, the lower left is the Son, and the lower right is the Spirit. And it says in the middle is God. But on each of the lines that go between Father, Son, and Spirit, the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father. The Spirit is not the Son, and the Spirit is not the Father. So you, know, you have that experience where they are individual, and yet they belong to this total unity that is the title that we call God. Yes. Yes. And so that's that's the beginning of the understanding of trying to define something by what it is, uh, what it is not versus what it is. Because when we try to define something by what it is, th- there's just so much immensity to it. So we have to start to try to whittle away at it. And so to try to understand God as Trinity, we have to understand that when Christ is uh, in our midst, when the Son is in our midst, he is truly God, 100% God. But at the same breath, he is also 100% man. Now that's getting into a whole other topic that someday we'll get into is how can God be 100%, how can Christ, the Jesus Christ, be 100% God and 100% man? That's 200% Father. Isn't that a, a contradiction? Yes and no. And, and so, I think we talked you know, a little bit about that on our episode of Theotokos, if I remember, Theotokos, if yeah. I remember correctly. Um, yeah. But anyway, getting right back to it. Yeah. So talking about the Trinity and trying to define what it is through defining what it's not, um, the Trinity is not three separate entities that are working against each other. God is always working in communion with himself. And so, you know, when Christ is seen on earth praying to the Father, he is in communion with the Father. He is in communion with the Father through the Spirit. I mean, there's so many opportunities, uh, different ways that we can try to describe this. You know, one of the most beautiful ways is is by the divine dance. Okay. And so, um, Vince, have you ever gone dancing with your wife? Uh, At weddings and such, I guess. Okay, so I want you to imagine that you know how to uh, dance the um, uh, uh, oh, I don't know. Give me a give me a formal dance style. I, I literally know it. A ballroom dancing? I don't know. Okay, some sort of ballroom dancing. Okay. Of course, right now, of course, I can't think. I'm of a it. man, so and I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, no, I got nothing. I really got nothing. 
That's all right. So imagine you're dancing uh, a ballroom dance with your wife at a at a wedding. Okay. Um, so the one way that the Trinity can be described is via dance. It ha- it takes two persons, but then that inner working between the two persons going back and forth, that interaction is another person. And that person can be understood as the actual motion. The the it's creating something new and an and an energy, excuse me, an energy is being formed there. So you have this energy that's being formed there, and that can be then understood as the spirit. So the father with the son in this um, divine dance creates the spirit, and it's not that the spirit is created, but it is, and it's that interaction. Another way to look at it is the divine sustenance that we receive, the breath, the breath of fresh air that we receive from God. And so as God continues to work with us and work with uh, Christ, it is that uh, breath of fresh air, his ruach, Ruach, the word that we use for the the spirit, the spirit of God, the Ruach working through. And whenever we talk about in Old Testament, especially when we hear about the um, the breath of God coming into play, for instance, in Genesis, when God breathes his Ruach, his breath, his breath of fresh air into the um, spirit of Adam, into the, or into the body of Adam, he puts a spirit in there, and that's his his ruah, his breath. And so we can say that the spirit of God is put inside of Adam. And so we, we have two images of what, uh, you know, a kind of trying to give some sort of um, understanding in, in such limited understanding of our human languages to what the spirit is. So going back to what it isn't, do you, uh, do you want to talk about St. Patrick, seeing that we just celebrated St. Patrick's Day? Yeah, and especially within our diocese, St. Patrick is the patron of our diocese. Um, St. Patrick, of course, as we know, tried at one point in time. Well, first off, let me break break it to you. If you didn't know, Patrick himself is not Irish. He's not Irish. He's Scottish, isn't he? he? No, he's English. Oh. He's English. And he was captured by the Scottish to come to Scotland and work as a slave. Oh, and that's probably why he got I old he enough. Scottish. He escaped and he went back to England and he became a priest. And then, as a priest, he went back to Ireland where he started to teach the people. And then he ended up becoming a bishop of Ireland. And so, Patrick, trying to um, explain the uh, you know the, the the faith of the Catholic faith to the Irish people, he picked up what was around him. And of course, as we know, as good Irish people we are, right? Because, you know, I'm Boyd. So my last name, Boyd, it's a Scottish-Irish name. I'm a good Scotsman-Irishman. We know that in our homeland of Ireland, there are lots of clover around. There's lots and there's the fields of clover. And so what he would do is he'd go out to his yard and he'd pick the clover just like I'm about to do. So why don't we take a two second break while I run and let the dog in because I hear him crying in the background. <laughs> and so if, uh, if Patrick was around, he would go out to his yard and he'd pick up a, a clover, specifically a three leaf clover. And those three leaves, he would try to connect that to the Trinity and specifically in the understanding of the Trinity, you know, it's, it's one clover, right? So if you plucked it from the ground, you had one clover and then you had the three leaves on the clover. Mm -hmm. Now there, there's some problems to that because 
you know, it does, it sounds really nice that, you know, it, okay, it makes sense. It's one clover. It's all made up of clover, but then there's three individual leaves. But we start to understand then with the Trinity that, oh, well, then they have individuality. Well, there is individuality in the persons of the Trinity, and yet there isn't. Like, for instance, you can't say about uh, the Trinity, there's more to it than just um, their functionality. So what I mean by that is I can't say the creator, the redeemer, and the sanctifier. You know, there's, there's... that's not that's not fair to call the parts of the Trinity Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier because if we do that, we're losing a very important part of it, and that's relationship. Yes. If we just you know call the parts of um, the Trinity one part of a clove, well that that loses the relational aspect. That loses the relational aspect. So it's it's a good way to start to understand it but it's not the be-all, end-all. So if we were to call God the creator, the redeemer, and the sanctifier, all that's doing is talking about their functionality, you know, of their importance as in a specific area. But the Father doesn't just create, he also redeems and sanctifies. Right, they, are, they all have those attributes. Exactly. And I guess, you know, going, breaking it back down to, uh, dumbing it down like, you know, what I need, Um, is, you know, it's not that, um, father, son, Holy spirit are thirds of God. You know, they don't each make up a third. They're each 100% of God. And so I guess in the end, you know, it, it sounds like 300%, but, but it's not, you know, they, they all have, they're all separate persons in one being, but they all also, you know, are creator, redeemer and sanctifier. Um, that's right. Again, very hard to wrap your head around, especially if this is the first time you're visiting this. Now, if you've come to this, you know, several times and you've studied this, then you may know a little bit more than I do or Father Andy does. But in the end, like we said before, it's still a mystery. We're still never going to fully wrap our heads, you know, around the Trinity. And for someone uh, just coming to the Christian faith uh, to try to understand the Trinity, it can be very hard and it can be very daunting and it can be very confusing and be very frustrating. Uh, but that's, that's where we can go to prayer for those things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and another thing to think about with this is, um, you know, some will want to say that we shouldn't be calling God in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. We should be saying Mother, Daughter, Spirit. The problem with that is, is that God revealed himself to us as Father, Son, and Spirit. Yes. He revealed himself to us as those three entities. But I thought uh, not upon, I thought God was yeah. a woman. Wasn't that isn't that a isn't that a song that's in pop culture right now? I'm sure that it's somewhere out there. <laughs> you know, and God does God does not have a sexuality. You right. Know, other than the um, person of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus Christ was a man. He was a man on this earth, and he came into this world as a man. You know, God does not have a sexuality. So God has what we would understand as feministic characters, uh, characterisms, but we also see that God has uh, male characterisms, masculine characterisms, parts of our um, experience as man and woman. You know, it doesn't strictly define by what sex you are. It just happens to be that one you know, sex has these, um, feelings over another, but the same breath is that, you know, 
your love, Vince, I'm sure as a father, um, it might be uh, a little bit different, but it isn't less than your wife's for your children. Right, right. Yep. So, you know, you, you just, you experience it in a different way. And so, but the understanding that we have to have is that, um, our experience of God is in relationship. It's a relational experience, not one that is totally utilitarian, not one that where God set the thing in motion and walked away. No, no, no. We have to experience God in the Trinity as someone who is here with us and walking with us this journey. Well said. And um, I'm going to take this, uh, I guess, a step further, maybe it's a step back. Uh, but let's talk about the the very beginning here. Yeah. Did God create the Son and uh, the Holy Spirit? How does that, or the, did, Father, did the Father create the Son? Did the Father create the Holy Spirit? Or did they all exist from the beginning of all time? I think I, uh, the best way to look at this is to go right back to Genesis um, and, and looking exactly how God created. And, and in this experience, I'm talking about the second creation story. So, of course, we have the first creation story, um, which starts right away with uh, Genesis 1.1. And it says, In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form or shape, with darkness over the whole abyss and a mighty sweeping over the waters, then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And so on and so forth. So we hear in that experience. And specifically here... It says um, with uh, verse 26, Genesis 1, 26, still in the first scripture reading or first uh, story of creation, there's a very important part of this. And then we'll get into the second story of creation. But there's a very important part of this because then God said, and this is, um, of course, an English translation, but if you go to the Hebrew trans, uh, the original Hebrew text of this, there's a very important about what I'm about to make, a very important distinction about what I'm to make. And it says here, then God said, let us make human beings in our image after our likeness. So there's some key words there. Yeah. You know, why would it have said, why is God saying, let us, you know, what else is there? So let's go back. All right. Let's actually listen to the creation story. So we heard from chapter one of Genesis, it says in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, well, let's start right off the bat. Is there anybody else there yet? Vince, when God created the heavens and the earth, he did not create Adam and Eve yet. He did not create animals yet. Nothing's there yet. Right. And the earth was without form or shape, without darkness over the abyss and the mighty uh, and wind sweeping over the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that it was good. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. Evening came and the morning followed the first day. Has God created anything that has any sensible um, cognizance? No. So it's just God right now, according to the scripture. Yes, it's just God. Yes. So we'll start with that. Then God said, let there be a dome in the middle of the waters to separate one body of water from the other. God made the dome, and it separated the water below the dome from the water above the dome. And so it happened. God called the dome sky. Evening came and morning followed the second day. 
Continuing, God, then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into a single basin so that the dry land may appear. And so it happened. The water under the sky gathered into its basin and the dry land appeared. God called the dry land earth and the basin of water he called sea. God saw that it was good. Then God said, let there be let the earth bring forth vegetation, every kind of plant that bears seed and every kind of fruit tree on earth that bears fruit with its seeds in it. And so it happened. The earth was brought, earth brought forth vegetation, every kind of plant that bears seed and every kind of fruit tree that bears fruit with its seed in it. God saw that it was good. Evening came and morning followed the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate day from night. Let them make seasons, the day from the years, and the serve the, as not lights in the dome of the sky to illumine the earth. And so it happened. God made the two great lights, the greater one to govern the day, then the lesser, lesser one to govern the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of, of the sky to illuminate the earth to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness, God saw that it was good. Evening came and morning followed the fourth day. Then God said, let water teem with an abundance of living creatures, and on the earth let birds fly beneath the dome of the sky. God created the sea monsters and all kinds of crawling living creatures with which the waters teems, and all kinds of winged birds. God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fertile, multiply, and fill the waters of the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came, and morning followed the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth be f bring forth every kind of living creature, tame animals, crawling things, and every kind of wild animal. And so it happened. God made every kind of wild animal, every kind of tame animal, and every kind of thing that crawls on the ground. God saw that it was good. And of course, here we are, back to our key phrase. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame animals, all the wild things, and all the creatures that crawl on the earth. God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fertile and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and all the living things that crawl on the earth. God also said, See, I give you every seed-bearing plant on all the earth and every tree that has seed-bearing fruit on it to be your food. And to all the wild animals, all the birds of the air, and all the living creatures that crawl on the earth, I give all the green plants for food. And so it happened. God looked at everything he made and found it very good. Evening came and morning followed the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all their array were completed. On the seventh day, God completed the work he had been doing. He rested on the seventh day from all the work he had undertaken. God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because it, on it he rested from all the work he had done in creation. A really long story to try to talk about the Trinity, 
but it's very important because of the fact that we hear in verse uh, 26, it says, let us make human beings in our image after our likeness. That's very important. It's not a mistake. It is plural. It is possessive. It is extremely important because he is stating that there are there's more than just him there. And he's not talking to himself in the royal we. They didn't understand that at that point when this was being written down, when this understanding was being written. God is speaking in the uh, form of the Trinity from the Father to the Son and the Spirit. And the Son and the Spirit are speaking back with him in agreement. And so that is extremely important in that first story of creation. Were you going to read that in Hebrew to us, too, that whole thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think, I, yes, you're right. Long story to tell something very important. And from the very beginning, it's the Trinity. It's not, this isn't something that we just created after Jesus. This has been since the very beginning. And I know people are going to go and say, well, the creation story is just, uh, we're not supposed to take it literally. Well, the Catholic Church hasn't decided either way on whether you need to, you have a choice. You know, you can take it literally, or you can take it as um, a way to tell a story about where we've come from with evolution, right. the Big Bang, and all and that and stuff. The key, it doesn't the defeat the purpose. With, it doesn't exactly, defeat the language. Exactly. The, key, the key that we, we have with this, the key understanding of Scripture is that we, we don't take Scripture literally just as well as we don't take it figuratively. There's many different forms of literary devices being used. But there's a key here. The reason why we understand Scripture to be the spoken word of God is that it tells an important story, and that story is of our salvation. Yes. And our salvation is a love story between God and his people. And God doesn't make a mistake when he writes his scripture. There's a reason why things are written down the way they are. Not because we are to take them literally in certain places, but rather because he is trying to make a point. And God, when he's telling his people a point, that it isn't just himself as one entity, it's himself as a we and yet a one. And so he's talking about to us, in the creation, that God, God himself, in the three persons that we call the Trinity, is working, is working in the creation, but also in the sanctification, but also in the redemption of all of his people. And it's so, so important that we recognize that. We aren't trying to say that, okay, literally the earth was created in seven days. That's not what at all the scripture is trying to dictate. What the scripture is trying to dictate is that there is salvation, that there is love, that there's creation, that there is hope for his people. So uh, we got to wrap it up here soon. But yeah, uh, one last thing I really want to cover is let's talk about... Uh, the prayer that we pray, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the most simple prayer that we all know, uh, that we use whenever we even start our prayers and when we end our prayers. Uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, about you know why, why do Catholics bless themselves, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? So the whole idea of the sign of the cross, you know, first off, 
let's talk about the cross. It's a perfect time of the year uh, to talk about the cross. We talk about uh, Lent with the cross because without the cross, there was no saying no salvation. So we talk about, um, you know, when we are making literally the sign of the cross, we start on our forehead, then we go to the middle of our chest or right, uh, right about our sternum. And then we go from our left shoulder to the right shoulder. When I'm doing a blessing, of unless course, you're in the Eastern, well, right? Right, exactly. Then you go right shoulder to left shoulder. And then you also do something else interesting with your hands. So we'll talk that about that later. But we start father, son, and then Holy Spirit as I hit the microphone. Um, so, you know, the cross, it's our salvation without the death upon the cross, there wouldn't be no salvation. Um, so we recognize right away immediately that which the, um, secular society, that with the people around us would say is our, um, it would be foolish to worship, and we're not worshiping the cross, but foolish to even recognize the cross because it was the way that murderers and, and um, bad people were brought to justice by death. Why would we say that the cross brings salvation? Well, because we know about the death of Christ upon the cross and how upon it he brought us salvation. So right off the bat, the salvation that comes from the cross we as Catholics recognize every single time we begin with a prayer, like we did at the beginning of this podcast, like we do at the Mass, like we do when before we uh, pray our meal prayers. We recognize, we make recognition to ourselves with the sign of the cross, our faith in that which brings us to eternal life. For if it wasn't for the cross, we would not have that access to eternal life. Now, uh, all religions have some sort of gesture that expresses this uh, as some sort of devout attitude before divine. And so this is our recognition that we are um, entering into when we make when we start prayer with the sign of the cross, we enter are entering into the divine. And so the sign of the cross we bring to the in, uh, the forefront of our mind, the Father, the Father, who, of course, is the first uh, in the understanding of the Trinity. When we talk about the Trinity, we, we, he always ends up being the first that we talk about because he is. And um, we can't really put a face to God the Father because the only, the only uh, part of the Trinity that has a face is the Son. Mm -hmm. But we do our best to try to imagine the Father. Um, we start with the Father and then the Son, the Son who came down to us from the Father. He brought down to us the good news and then the Holy Spirit who continues to sanctify us and bless us and be with us to this day. And so um, we understand that uh, the Father, which all blessings flow, we understand that all the blessings come from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that it's not just one, but it's all of them. And so, uh, you know, we ask, uh, we ask God that by the sign of the Holy Cross, may we be delivered from our enemies and from all that hate us. And so if you ever find yourself in a place where you feel that you're being attacked, the sign of the cross is a simple prayer, a simple gesture, and a simple vocal prayer that we can be brought to salvation, and we can be reminded of our salvation and our recognition that Christ is bringing us back into his fold. And so there's there's many different ways, as, as Vince alluded to, when, we, when it comes to the sign of the cross, but they are, of course, all legitimate. Um, if you see someone do the Father, the Son, and then go to their right shoulder and to their left, 
it's most likely because they're Byzantine Catholic. And usually what you're going to see is that their uh, pinky and their ring finger are brought to the center of their palm, their thumb, their uh, pointer finger, and their middle finger um, are brought together, and they bless themselves with those three. And that's Father, what represents the Trinity as well, right? The Father, exactly. Son, Holy Spirit, so those three, three fingers? fingers together. Those three fingers together indicate the Trinity. Why the two fingers? Because you have the divine nature and the um, uh, uh, sanctified nature of Christ, the human and the holy nature of Christ uh, brought together in the uh, middle of the hand and then the Trinity. And so they're blessing themselves very deliberately with the Trinity. So we, beautiful. of course— we, of course, do our hand together as Latin Catholics, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Either way is an appropriate way mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. And and one thing that uh, if, if you have kids, uh, this is what I always do whenever I put my daughter to bed is as she's laying down, I'll just draw a cross on her forehead and just say, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, um, just kind of as a, you know, as a, a asking God to protect her basically while she sleeps. As a fatherly blessing, you as a father, you as a um, father have an obligation to bless your children, to bless them, to pray over them. That is your fatherly duty. And one of the things to remember is that, you know, in baptism, we are anointed priest, prophet, and king. Now, that isn't the same as the priesthood that I undertake, but it's still important. You're still, or you know, as in our baptism, we are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then we are anointed priest, prophet, and king, just like Christ. Well, what does that priesthood mean? We offer our sacrifices of a daily life upon the altar of our lives, that we offer them as an oblation to the Father, to the Son, and to the Spirit. We offer them as oblation to God, recognizing that we are not perfect, but offering them as a sacrifice acceptable to Him so that He might truly accept our daily work as something that brings joy to Him. And He does. And so as an ordained, or not an ordained, a uh, baptized Christian, we are baptized not to the ordained priesthood, but to the baptized priesthood. And we all have this responsibility. And what is the responsibility of the priest? To offer himself in the sacred order, uh, sacred celebration of the Mass, in the order of the priest, to offer himself as an oblation acceptable to God upon the altar for the sacrifice and for the salvation of his people. And so we as a priestly people, we as a people who have been uh, consecrated to the Lord through our baptisms, have a sacred obligation and duty to remember our priesthood, our common priesthood of baptism, to bless, to love, to offer, and to give. And so that is one way as a, um, a good father is to bless your children. And it brings back a hearkening to their baptism. For at the baptism, the, the priest invites the parents and godparents of the child as he signs their forehead with the cross of Christ to welcome them into the saved people. And so that is one way as a good father and a good mother of all of our listeners, they have an opportunity as well. Fathers and mothers listening, you have an opportunity and an obligation to be reminding your children of the salvation of Christ. So if you have little children are listening, sign them with the cross. Teach them the sign of the cross 
but also teach them as you bless them on the forehead with the sign of the cross before you lay them to sleep or when you wake them up each morning. It's a wonderful opportunity to start talking about the Trinity, that Jesus and the Son and the Father and the Spirit are with them always. Maybe we can't see them with our uh, physical eyes, but with our eyes of faith, we can start to see where he is working. So these are opportunities to have a real discussion of faith as we go through our daily lives. And I wasn't planning on that ending, but I think that's a fantastic ending to this podcast. Although I'll top it with, when I do that to my daughter, she's always like, Daddy, why are you praying again? We just did. (laughs) So we're not (laughs) quite to the point. We're not quite to the point of uh, explaining it, Uh, but we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. Exactly. Uh, So I I think with that said, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up here. So, um, what I'm going to ask all of you to do is if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. Um, you can go to our website and listen to it. And I encourage you to do so www.encountermercy.com or you go on to your Apple podcasts, you go onto your Google podcast, Android, Spotify, um, iHeartRadio, even ask Alexa to play the encounter mercy podcast. And, uh, and, and that way it's pushed to you. Um, we are now on YouTube and I'm trying to get that, uh, regular, regularly updated. So make sure you head there and subscribe as well. Um, like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, uh, and we're really trying to uh, really push the social media presence, especially in this time when just, I think every single public mass, there are no public masses in the United States at this point. Uh, so we are trying to, um, not only share, uh, the streams that we find uh, helpful, uh, but we are also pushing a lot of our own content on social media as well. So link up with us there, uh, uh, and you can find all the links on our website. Do you got anything else to say, Father Andy? Make sure that you keep praying. You know, every Sunday is still an obligation for us to keep holy the Sabbath. So make sure that you're praying each Sunday. And uh, we look forward to sharing with you in the future for our faith. If you have, of course, any feedback, any comments, concerns, or thoughts, please make sure you share it with us. You can find all of our contact information on the contact page of our website. Once again, our URL is EncounterMercy.com. Meet us there, and we hope to talk with you soon. So, uh, yeah, I guess as uh, I'm going to play the uh, the uh, outro music here, uh, Sunday when we were watching the live stream Mass at St. George's, uh, it was just like we were in church because um, my children were still acting crazy in the pews like they always do just uh, in our living room. Uh, so I guess kids will be kids. Amen. All right. Uh, Peace, everybody. We'll see you next time. See you soon. Bye now.